Good day to all my friends. This is Reiko Zek, the pastor at St. Paul's. You're listening to Jesus in the Center, one-year Bible podcast, whatever you call it, podcast, podcast, I don't know. Well, thanks for listening to whatever this is. <laughs> well, today is the 18th day of this Bible reading plan. I hope you're learning and growing. We're going to actually start almost backwards with the psalm for today, Psalm 16. You may have missed it. It was a beautiful prayer of David who starts the psalm, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And he ends with this, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or the pit, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is a nice prayer that God will see to us, that he will rescue us from death. Well, it's more than just a nice sentiment. This is actually true first of Jesus before it is true of any of the rest of us. Check it out. Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter, verse 23. Peter says this, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and he goes on, and he, and he quotes that psalm that I just read, You will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. That's Second Samuel chapter 7. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. The thing I want to point out is these psalms, more than just hymns, they are hymns, but the early church, Christ himself and the apostles, saw them as words that were ultimately fulfilled in Jesus and in his work. And so we can rejoice in that. I do, right? This Psalm, Psalm 16, speaks about the resurrection of Jesus whose whose body would not see decay. And so that would lead us all to this last verse of the Psalm. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We are ushered into the presence of God. And in that, there is fullness of joy. How are we ushered in? Because Christ died, rose, uh, he ascended, and he reigns. So thanks be to God. That's my little sermon for the day. The rest of this is just educational. Ha <laughs> ha! All right, well, let's jump into Genesis. Uh, there's two contrasting stories here in Genesis 37 and 38. And it starts here in It says, these are the generations of Jacob. And so it wants to, the rest of this book is sort of fleshing out the the sons of Jacob. Joseph here in in chapter 37. And then in chapter 38, we we see Judah. And that's the one, the chapter that everyone wants to skip. Like, oh, come on, this is just like X-rated or at least R-rated. It's here in, in Genesis 37 with generation after generation, there's this favoritism. So we see in verse 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. Now, he doesn't say this, but the son of 
his beloved wife, Rachel. And so he made him a robe of many colors. And this is epic in our culture. Uh, literally, it's something like a many-colored tunic, right? It's probably not 58 different colors and shiny with LED lights on it. This is not that unusual. This many-colored tunic, this special cloak, was usually given by a father, or often given by a father, to the firstborn, to the one who would be the future leader of the clan. Joseph receives this from his father, and his brothers hate it, not just because, wow, you got a special coat, but because this coat told the brothers, look, this guy is going to be the one who's going to lead the clan. This is the one that I love. Oh, man, they're so mad. And then Joseph's dreams where the brothers bow down to him, and then it makes everyone mad. And so uh, there's this recurring words, they hated him, and they hated him even more, and they hated him even more. <laughs> they don't like him because they think he's arrogant and proud, and we don't know how he, he is, but they definitely do not like the fact that he is favored by the father and that he has dreams of ruling over them. This dream of his brothers bowing down to him does come true in, in chapter 42, verse 6. The dad says to Joseph, all right, go find your brothers, see if it's well with them, and then bring me word. So just go, go check on them. And so he goes 50 miles, and when he's there, someone says, no, they're actually north in Dothan, another 15 miles north. So they're 65 miles away from their home base. They are definitely nomadic. Interesting note about this place called Dothan, where Joseph is thrown into a pit and eventually sold by his brothers to some Ishmaelite, or as it's called later in the chapter, Midianite traders. By the way, an interesting note about this place, Dothan, read 2 Kings chapter 6, which I've already mentioned on this podcast, a place of prayer. No doubt, no doubt Joseph was praying as he's in the pit, and we see Elisha also praying in this same place. And his prayer was answered eventually. They go back, tell the father, and they try to comfort him. It's hypocritical because they know he's alive. He refused to be comforted and says, No, I shall go down to Sheol, to my son, mourning. It's the first time this word Sheol, or the pit, is mentioned in this context. And again, think of how we started the podcast today with the promise of being rescued from the pit is ultimately true in Jesus. Well, that's Genesis 37. I'm sure you have some more thoughts about that, uh, some some thinking too about how we are thrown into pits and we are betrayed by even those who ought to love us. We get to chapter 38 and we see this huge contrast between Joseph, who will shown to be pretty right, righteous throughout the rest of this book of Genesis. And we see Judah, who we already see he proposed to sell Joseph to, uh, to the traitors. And here his character is shown to be pretty lousy. Uh, it's horrible. He goes and finds a Canaanite wife. He has Canaanite friends. He doesn't seem uh, to have a lot of faith here when it's time for his widowed daughter-in-law to be given, and this is cultural, to be given the third son. The other two die because they're wicked. You know, They're probably taken after their father. We see that he doesn't provide the son, and so the daughter Tamar takes things into her own hands and tricks Judah into sleeping with her. He just thinks he's sleeping with a prostitute. Well, the fact that she was able to do this, even that he might be tempted by this, shows that his character is pretty bad. 
Well, he ends up uh, sleeping with her and a son is born. He is proven to be unrighteous and Tamar is vindicated in some sense. So lots of details, a lot of unsavory uh, R-rated details there. But we see that God is faithful and the son of, of Tamar is Perez through whom the Messiah will come. So God even used the bad character of Judah. And we think here at the end of this chapter, he does repent. But then the story will shift again to Joseph. So that's all we'll say for today. If you have thoughts, questions, let me know. So now we come to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. We have to read this in context. Jesus has just healed a man on the Sabbath day. And then he goes out and heals many to fulfill God's word. And then... A, a demon-possessed man who's mute comes and Jesus heals that man. And people are saying, can this be the son of David? Is this our redeemer that God has promised? The answer to that, by the way, is yes. But the Pharisees say no. And so they they accuse him. He's doing these things. And this is even true on his arrest warrant. He's doing these things, but it's by, by the hand of Beelzebul, the prince of demons, as they say here, as it's translated. This man casts out demons. So Jesus replies to this, and he has four four points. Uh, the first one, it's absurd. If Satan is divided against Satan, his house will fall. The second thing he says is that, it, what about your sons? Some of your sons, I would assume some righteous sons of Israel, are casting out demons. What do you say of them? Third thing he says, I am actually here by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is verse 28. I'm going to read it. He says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's saying here, no, what you see with these demons being cast out, with these people being healed, this is by the Spirit of God. That's the third thing he says. And the fourth thing he says is that there is a strong man. Satan is a strong man. How can someone enter a strong man's house? That strong man is Satan. And plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed that he may plunder his house. So he is saying here that there is a strong man, this enemy of our souls, the devil, and he is strong. Not just anyone can come and cast out demons. He says that I am coming as the stronger man, that Jesus has come to bind the devil and to set people free. Well, they do not think that that is true. And so Jesus says, you're either with me or you're against me. You're either gathering with me or you're scattering. And then he says, he says, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Many Christians hear this, especially as we're growing as Christians, and we think, oh no, this is probably me because I, I know I'm a sinner. My conscience pangs me. Have I done something to blaspheme the Holy Spirit that I will not be forgiven? Well, it is good to fear, right? Jesus has said, fear him who can cast your soul and your body into hell, right? He says to fear, and that is good, that is healthy. But Jesus, think of the context here. Jesus is talking to people who have outright rejected him. They see the signs of the Spirit of God, and they say, nope, not for me. Think about the Apostle Paul for a minute. Did he blaspheme the Son of God? Uh, yeah, he spoke against him. He was... He was saying that uh, this way is the wrong way. And so he arrested anyone who started to follow the way. In other words, the teachings of Jesus. And then Jesus showed up to him on the Damascus road, knocked him off of his high horse and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
If Saul had raised his fist to heaven, to this Jesus who showed up to him, that would have been Paul blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But he didn't. He repented. And here's the thing. If you are wondering if you've committed this, you, uh, God has been working on your conscience, and you probably haven't. Jesus is speaking to those who are hard-hearted, stiff-necked, refusing to listen to him. Well, it goes on, um, and, he, and he talks about being a good tree or a bad tree. And then he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Again, we want to put this in context. This is not about like, oh, no, I said a bad word. I'm going to, I'm going to bear judgment. Well, that is true. However, it's still in the context of this conflict with the Pharisees who, who see the Spirit of God at work in Jesus and reject it. And, and with their words, say, he is from the devil, right? So he's saying that your words condemn you, and he's talking to the Pharisees, even though you act all good, you act like you're a good tree, but you're not. You're a bad tree. How do we know? Because you're rejecting the truth of God coming to you. The careless word they're speaking is, he's doing these miracles, but it's by the hand of the devil, right? That's the careless word they will be bearing judgment for. And then he says, for by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. I'm going to flip over Romans 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will we, by our words, be condemned or justified? Well, all who call on the name of the Lord with their words and say, Jesus is Lord, they will be justified. They will be saved. That's a promise. And if we, with our words, say, nope, Jesus is not for me, he's from the devil or whatever, I just don't need him, then we'll be condemned. The sign of Jonah. They come and they, this is in the same context. Then then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. It's like, ah, oh, I just healed a, a mute man who was demon-possessed. Was that not enough of a sign for you, not to mention all the other things I've been doing? They want something else. And so he says, it's only a wicked generation that wants more and more and more and will not listen to what they've been told. The sign of Jonah will be given to you, which is the resurrection, which we started today with. And then he says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment. And then he also says, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment because they came. Jonah repented. The queen of Sheba, her heart was turned toward God. And he says in both of these cases, behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Behold, Something greater than Solomon is here. This is akin to what he said earlier in the chapter, Behold, something greater than the temple is here. Well, my friends, I'll leave you with that. Something greater, the great one, has come to redeem us all. Thanks be to God. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.